Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth. I'm a marathoner, coach, and answer seeker. When I first started running at the age of 29, I had so many questions and what felt like nowhere to turn to for answers. And now I'm here to answer all your running questions about anything that you might want to know. If you're a new runner or you've been doing this for a long time, there's always something more to learn about running. So let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm Elizabeth. I'm super excited that you're here for this week's episode. It is absolutely jam-packed with info. Of course, I hope all my episodes are jam-packed with info, but this one like really, really, really is. Before I introduce my guest, of course, though, I do want to periodically remind you that I am more than just a podcaster. Of course, I am a coach and I have a bunch of resources and information and stuff available to you as a runner if you are looking for more support, guidance, education, in your running. So not only do I have 28 different training plans available all on my website, I have a variety of masterclasses, training plus for the half and full marathon for the self-coached athletes, a ton of education, training plan, heart rate zones masterclass, and a coaching consult with me. I also have group coaching available for half and full marathon. So if you are training for a half or a full marathon and you want not quite as much as one-on-one coaching might offer, but more than just doing it on your own, check out group coaching. And of course, the gold standard one-on-one run coaching, fully personalized, individualized coaching written just for you having a coach in your corner every day of the week to help guide you towards your goals. We have a couple spots available left on our roster. Uh, Let me know. You can schedule a free exploration coaching call on the website. All that's available for you on the website, runningexplained.co. Now, my guest this week is sports chiropractor Luke Nelson. Luke has been a sports chiropractor for 20 years. He is incredibly accomplished and credentialed. He is also an endurance and ultra endurance athlete himself. So not only does he work with athletes, he is, of course, a runner, a marathoner, ultra marathoner, Ironman triathlete. He understands us endurance runners because he is one. Now, Luke is here today to talk to us all about the calf, the calf muscles and the Achilles tendon and how that all relates to running. We're going to talk about specific injuries that you might experience in the calf and Achilles tendon areas, what you might be able to do to address those ways to improve your calf strength, talking about tendon health and so much more. So without further ado, here's Luke Nelson. Luke, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. Very excited to be here, a long, uh, long-time listener and, and first-time caller, as they say. So I've, I've been uh, been listening mainly out in the run on on uh, with the, the podcast in and uh, loving your work. So real great honour to be on today. Thanks, Elizabeth. Well, thank you. I'm excited to have you here because I'm a big fan of your work as well, and and I hope this episode will reveal why for people who don't know who you are yet, but for people who are just meeting you for the first time. And because I'm also curious, uh, you are a runner. Tell us, how did you become a runner? Uh, so I sort of fell into running. I, I uh, dabbled, I guess, dabbled in it when I was younger and, and uh, with a, probably a, a, a cross country like we all do in our elementary or primary school. And I know I was terrible. Uh, I was actually had a reminder. I did my first cross country run on the weekend. First time in uh, in twenty years that I'd, or actually thirty years that I'd, I'd done this cross country race, and and thankfully it went better than that. So that first one. So I wasn't much of a runner when I was uh, when I was younger. It was more I uh, played a lot of basketball uh, and a lot of different sports. Actually, I love love sport, and it was only until after I I finished uh, university that it sort of became more of a convenience thing. That uh, and we all know running is is great. You can strap on a pair of shoes and and off you go out the door. So that's what sort of drew me to running initially, and then. Uh, I sort of got more involved in it that just it uh, I guess that pursuit of, of wanting to better oneself you know and and uh, and wanting to striving to to improve and 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 so that led me to running my first half marathon uh, I said I hated that and I'd never do that again um, but a couple of years later turned up for my first half uh, first full uh, again hated that and said I'd never do another one of those and fast forward I've done you know seven I've done a couple of Ironman triathlons and and, and plenty of halves along the way and 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 loving it uh, more than I ever have and uh, yeah I hope there's there's many more many more races to to come so that was sort of my running I sort of fell into it more out of convenience but then just uh, just fell in love with it. <laughs> 
It really does suck you in, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. It does, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. I mean, I, I finished my first marathon. I think the very first thing I said to my husband, it was like, I don't understand why people do this for fun. <laughs> What's I never want to do this again. 100%. Thing. Yeah, six yeah. marathons later, here we are. Yeah, so. I said that said it to my wife after my first marathon and my first Ironman triathlon on the finish line. I said, I'm never doing one of those again. And then after that, when I signed up for my second Ironman, she said, I'm, I'm, I'm not believing you again when you when you finish that line, whatever comes out of your mouth. Because uh, you just get that, you know, it's it's as horrible as it might be and, and that, as hard as it might be, you just get that, you know, even later on that day, you're thinking, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't that bad. You sort of get some amnesia, I think, and and uh, and you know, getting that uh, wanting to, to to strive for that next uh, that next goal. So that's definitely me. <laughs> that relentless pursuit. Of yes. How how could I, how good could I be? Yeah. That's yeah. I did it. Yeah. That's exa- exactly right. And actually, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because I have that discussion with, you know, with patients and because they want to know, you know, what, what they think their ability, uh, capability is. And, you know, I often question that myself where, where I think where I think I am. And I, I think I've still got a, a couple of years left of improvement left in me before I before I hit my peak. Uh, so hopefully a few more personal bests in that in that time. And obviously you are a sports medicine practitioner, a sports chiropractor. Is that something yes. you always knew you wanted to do? Yeah, pretty early on actually from, from in high school. I, I, as I said, had an interest in sport, an interest in health. And, and we did a topic in school that, where we learned all about the human body and, and sport and physiology. And, and I just loved that. And so I knew pretty early on from, from our ninth year in, in, uh, in high school that I wanted to do something in health. And, uh, but by the time I, I got to our final year of school, I knew that chiropractic was something that I wanted to do. I'd sort of observed some physical therapists and chiropractors and, and uh, uh, really loved the, the approach for, for the chiropractic. And, and so I went and studied the five years at, at uh, university and then once I finished again, I still had that, that real interest in sport. And that's what sort of led me to go down the path. And uh, this year is my 20th, 20th year in practice, actually. So we're having a reunion with all our classmates later on this, uh, this year. So it seems to have, have gone in a flash. Um, but, uh, but yeah, love it. Love, love doing what I'm doing. And, and yeah, sport's obviously the, the main, uh, main passion and interest. So there's obviously when we talk about practitioners and I have a lot of physical therapists on the show and, um, you know, thinking about the, the sports specific nature of something like what you do and how that differs from what a generalist would do. What is it that makes sports chiropractic medicine or sports physical therapy? Like what is the focus here? What's the difference there? I guess that it comes down to, to really a, a better understanding of, of the athlete. And when I say athlete, that's, that's, you know, that could be a recreational runner. We, we say athlete, uh, it's a better understanding of, of, you know, what, what makes them tick. Uh, I guess the, the things that may have contributed to their injury, uh, and also the things that we need to do to get them back into, into doing what they love and, and doing it at the, at their best and, and, and for performance as well, not just for, uh, for, you know, getting back from injury, but performing at their best. So it's a better understanding of, of those sort of things. And that, that includes then learning of, of lots of different stuff. That's, you know, diagnosis, that's, uh, you know, rehabilitation at certain management of, of different conditions. So it tends to be, have a, a greater and higher level of understanding of, of all those things, um, to, to ensure you get the best, uh, best result for, for that, uh, that athlete. I know that in the States, it's uh, obviously our healthcare system is an absolute mess over here. And it's very tough for a lot of people to get the care that they need. A lot of running guys, say athletes too, to, to get the care that they need because of the way that insurance works or their insurance sends them to a physical therapist who like only works with geriatric people with back problems, you know, and they're like, but I'm a marathoner. And the PT mm. says, well, you just stop running. It's like, there's yes. this huge kind of disconnect oh. I think, between what a lot of people are expecting from when they're getting care and what they might actually receive. Yes. Well, don't get me started on the on the, the, the just stop running. Of uh, that, that's certainly what a pet peeve of probably the number one pet peeve of mine is of people being told to, to that, they, that they can't do something. Um, and when actual fact, it's just you know poorly informed health professionals that that are that are, that are saying that. Um, and it you know it can be it's it's quite sad in a way. Like I've seen a lot of people's lives that have been changed because of that have been told to you know stop doing a particular activity, and you know they can spiral into. into into years of, of poor health and poor physical and mental health, um, and they're often told that unnecessarily too. So, you know, whilst we joke about it, but it, it, it certainly can be, you know, quite a serious uh, um, set them down a, a quite a dark path. But but thankfully, you know, there is we as much as we can, and that's that's again where it comes down to to the sport 
um, professionals is that we, we try and keep the, 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 the person doing what they're doing. So that if that's the runner, we try and keep them involved or, uh, you know, try and have them running in some sort of capacity if they, if they can. Um, but if not, then, then trying to get them back to it as, as soon as possible. And today we're talking about the calf, our calves. Uh, I obviously am not a PT. People who have listened to the show have heard me say that repeatedly, but I do field a lot of questions from people, from injured runners or runners who are experiencing aches and pains in certain places and asking for my guidance. My guidance is probably like, you should go see someone who knows what you're talking about and can diagnose you. But I get a lot of questions about calves and the calf muscle complex and all of that so today we're going to learn all about our calf muscles as runners and the place i always like to start is luke go ahead and educate us about what what is the calf what are the muscles we're talking about what do those do when we run so how long have we got we've got uh uh, so for anyone that does follow me they know that know my my love for the calf muscles and the appreciation there and and that that comes from you know seeing a lot of a lot of runners and and uh and and field sport athletes and and the calves are are really important for 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 those particular sports and and for running um actually the 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 most important if we look at uh tim dawn did a a study back in 20 2000 12 and he looked at all the different muscle contributions um, for, that involved in running and we, we can see from his work that even at slow running speeds the calf muscle that the lower calf muscle called the soleus uh, is involved that it can do up to six times and, and at slow speeds and getting up to eight times body weight of, of work which is a huge amount of work done by this uh, done by this muscle greater than than, than any other uh, and so we know that the just as a bit of an anatomy uh, refresher rule for, for, for our runners out there the calf complex as we as we say is, is made up of three three muscles so we've got um, the, the soleus which is the the, the deep muscle uh, that's usually down the uh, mainly down the bottom but does reach all the way up to behind the knee and then we've got the, our, our two gastrocnemius muscles so we've got a, a medial and a lateral gastrocnemius uh, and they go on they're sort of more in the higher part of the, the calf there uh, and then there's a fourth muscle called the plantar but it, it doesn't serve as much a role in terms of uh, force production. Um, but uh, the, the, those three main calf muscles, they go down and blend into what's called the Achilles tendon. And uh, the Achilles tendon, we'd, we'd all know, um, unlike the, the Greek mythology Achilles, where it was his weakness, um, for us it's an incredibly strong tendon and uh, it, it's, uh, it's stronger than, than any other tendon in our body. Um, so the calves are obviously really important for, for running. They also are the muscle uh, for propelling us forward as well. So if we look at, there was some research done by, by Hamner uh, and they found, they looked at all the different muscle groups and at what point of the, the running cycle were they active. And we can see the calves at, at propulsion, calves are pretty much the, the, the main thing that's doing up to 90% of our propulsive forces. So they're the things that are, that are driving us forward. And obviously for a runner, that's, uh, that, that's pretty important. Um, they also, they're, they're especially that lower calf muscle, that soleus, is involved in change of direction. So when we're sort of moving from side to side, um, uh, you know, more relevant, I guess, for our, our, our uh, trail runners uh, when we're changing direction through there, uh, but also all our field athletes as well when we're having to quickly change direction and push off, push off from there. Um, they also propel us upwards. You know, there's, there's, uh, when we jump and we're doing a maximal jump up in the air, uh, the calves are, are working really hard there and in fact actually work harder than, than what, the, uh, what the, the, the thigh muscle, our quad muscles are doing. So a lot of people think it's the, the quads that are, that are for that, but it's actually that the calves are a really, really important one. Um, and so they have to you know, generate a lot of force, um, but they also have to do it very quickly because if we look at how long our feet are on the ground when we're running, you know, our feet are on the, on the ground for you know, 0.25, 0.3 of a second and so they have to be very you know not only explosive but they they have to generate that force and and uh, very very quickly so when you when you look at it in that perspective uh, you know it's it's hard not to be amazed at uh, at the, the structure that is our, our calf muscles that is fascinating that is so cool i mean obviously knowing how important our calves are but i think it's interesting you said about people always think about oh it's the quad or this i mean i Mm. think people obviously rightly so we pay a lot of attention to our glutes as runners right and it sounds like the calves are not getting nearly as enough love and attention uh from from runners no and our our poor old glutes they they do cop a lot of blame for for uh, every injury and uh, you know I, i lay the blame probably on all my health uh professional um colleagues 
colleagues that uh, that have sort of spread that, that, you know, blaming everything. And, and mind I add you, they often will place that blame without any form of assessment of, of, you know, of strength or capacity there either as well. So, and that's one of the things that I'm, I'm quite big on is, you know, objectively testing. So we're objectively testing the strength of, of these areas and taking the guesswork out of it to say, well, actually, do you have, have sufficient strength? Um, and, and, you know, every muscle serves its purpose. So the glutes certainly serve a, serve a role there. But, you know, like we can see from, from Dawn's um, studies, that, that those calves are just so important. It's really only at the at, at sprinting um, do other muscles take over, and that being hamstrings and hip flexors. Uh, and you know, so we, we see what do sprinters get? You know, the injuries they get most commonly is is uh, hamstring injuries, uh, and that's because their demand goes up exceedingly when they when they get to, to sprinting. So, but for for our distance runners, it's pretty much pretty much the whole way through. It's the uh, it's the, the calves. So, in your practice, what are the most common complaints that you get from runners who walk into your clinic and say my calf hurts yeah so most of the i'd say probably the the biggest things that i see from a calf perspective injury wise would be achilles tendinopathy so i see quite so quite a lot of that so we're always looking at the calf there uh, the only other thing we'll see is calf strains. Um, so that is that is common, um, especially in our one of our main field sports over here um, in Australia is Australian rules football. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a bit of a crazy mix between rugby and, and gridiron. They're not wearing any protective padding, but anyway, they're, they're running around a big field. There's a lot of running. You know, they're up. They're doing uh, the, the players are doing up to you know 12, 13 kilometres in a, in a game, um, and you know getting close to, to eight or nine miles. And uh, and there's a lot of lot of Sprinting, and so one of the most common injuries we see there is is a, a calf uh, calf strains with uh, with them. So um, so we see a lot in, in runners and also in, in other sports. Um, but there is also then that that complaint that we get from the runner of, of you know that the tightness in the in the calf. Um, so then that's sort of separate to separate to a, a strain, but you know can can lead to it. Um, and we, we tend to find that that you know that that feeling of, of tightness is is uh, often a sign of fatigue, uh, and it's it's one way that our body's sort of letting us know that hey we're not comfortable with what what we're being put through here. Uh, I've actually experienced it myself uh, last year when I was training up for a, for a marathon and. I was in a particularly big block of, of training, um, getting into my peak weeks, and I started to get quite uh, quite tired and in, in through the and quite tired and through the calves. I obviously knew what it was. I, I had you know quite good calf strength, but it was just I was just asking a lot of my body at that time, uh, and I knew that if I'd got through you know got through that week and and just you know made sure I gave a bit of TLC that it would it would be fine, and it was. And um, so I just needed that my body just to adapt to what I was throwing at it. But we often do see those runners just with every single run they do is just like they're tight they're tired you know they 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 constant need to stretch you know you see those runners that are that are at, at traffic lights uh, waiting for the, the the lights to change and, and they're stretching their calves on the on the uh, the, the sidewalk there so uh it's it's uh it's quite common to, to see uh, but we often find that with those runners it's it's not that they need to stretch more it's actually that they need strength and it's only on testing testing that that we then say well actually you've got excellent mobility there but you need to uh, you need to stretch you need to strengthen more and something else that I actually experienced, and I've, I've gotten a couple of questions about this as well, is that um, aside from the, the tightness, like it feels tightness, and I used to be, and I don't know if it's like when you're newer or you're not quite sure what you're doing, you're kind of copying what you think other people are doing. Like I remember and having no idea what I was doing as a new runner, and like I would just kind of walk out the door and like stand there and stretch, not because I knew what I was doing, but because like I'd seen somebody else do that, so I was doing that too. And sometimes yeah. I wonder how many of those things that we do are like, are you doing this because you think it's doing something? Yeah. You're doing it because somebody else did it in a it's, movie or on TV. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, so thinking about kind of that, that you know, calf tightness, but also mm. uh, experiencing kind of a, a localized um, mm. muscle burning sensation, not like on the skin, but like that kind of, it feels like that extreme buildup of fatigue, like at the end yeah. of a race, but very localized to the calves. Yes. Um, I've had run and I, I experienced this myself after I ran in the wrong shoes for a little bit a couple of years ago. But I've also had runners experience this and complain of it, um, specifically when they are slowing down to run in their true easy zone on easy runs. Yeah. Um, interestingly, not many people seem to complain of localized calf uh, burning at very fast paces. 
So it's, it's an interesting one because there's a few things that can be at play there. So, so one, it can be, you know, it could be, it could be the fatigue. But the other thing that we can see, which can give, I mean, there's, there's a few things that give pain in that, in that calf area. So you can get what's called uh, exertional compartment syndrome. Uh, and basically what that, that involves is you've got uh, in our lower leg, you've got lots of, of, of um, compartments. If you think of like cling wrap that, that surrounds uh, different muscle groups there. So you've got different compartments in, in through the, uh, the leg there. And what can happen is that that cling wrap um, when we normally exercise, it will it will expand. Now, with people with with chronic exertional compartment syndrome, what happens there is that that doesn't expand, and when the blood flows into the muscle, it it, it enlarges, uh, and with that uh, that cling wrap holding it quite tight, they get a build up of, of pressure through there, and they can actually experience you know a lot of tightness there that can also progress to they can get symptoms down in the foot, so they can get might get tingling or pins and needles going down in the foot. That's quite classic for uh, for compartment syndrome. Um, but that's um, that's always something we 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 you know got my radar going. If someone's getting that consistently, uh, and you know their strength might be quite good, then again I'm I'm, I'm leaning further to uh, to that being uh, being a problem. Um, at faster speeds, we actually tend to use you know we're using our tendons quite a lot because it's it's a lot of a lot of spring there, and so the muscles is pretty much acting what we call isometrically. So the muscles actually not really lengthening a great deal. It's just basically holding there, and it's the tendons that are that are lengthening and, and, and contracting. Um, and whereas at slower running speeds, and, and you know with there's, there's greater ground contact time, there can be a little bit more of that uh, that lengthening occurring in that in that that muscle there. So that's one thing that we we sort of you know got to get our radar there you can also have you know other things that can can cause pain to that calf can be um, you can have the blood vessels in through the, the back of the knee called the popliteal artery. So you can, you can get popliteal artery entrapment there, which can cause um, you know, issues with blood flow into the, uh, into the leg. Um, we can also have, you know, going even, even higher up into the, into the back, uh, and we can have you know, back issues that can be, can be causing pain down into the calf there as well from what we call a, a nerve or a neural perspective. So that's something that we want to tease out as well. And, and I've had certainly plenty of runners that have been diagnosed with you know, calf tears or, or calf pain because they're getting this, you know, sharp pain in, in their calf when in actual fact it's, it's coming from, from high up around their, uh, their, their back. Um, so that, that, that can be occurring as well. Um, the other thing with, with muscle tears is that, and this is where they can be a little bit di- di- tricky with the, with the calf. So when we, t- usually when, when we tear our hamstring, so, and touch wood, I've, I've never done it, but um, when we tear a hamstring, it's that typical, uh, you know, sniper, as in, you know, someone's just shot them in the back of the leg and they're like, oh, that's, that's got me, I can really, I can really feel that. Um, whereas the calf doesn't tend to do that, and especially that, that lower, the bigger muscle, the more important one, the soleus, it doesn't have a great sensory supply, so it doesn't give us a really good feedback. And so what runners will often complain of is that in, in over, you know, in close to 50% of, of soleus injuries, there's no event that they can remember. It's not like a, an event where they're like, oh, bang, that's, that's, that's got me. So, you know, half of those, they're like, oh, something feels a bit, bit weird there. Like they might even, you know, after the run, they're like, well, that feels quite, quite tight. Uh, and then it just gets progressively, yeah, progressively worse. Um, so that's something we, we want to we always want to want to watch. There is that um, if we're getting that happening, then there may be something going on there. Now that's usually on on one side, so it's not it's not commonly uh, both sides that we'll see. You know, it's pretty rare for someone to injure both sides at the same time. Um, so we want to make sure that that that's uh, we we rule we rule that out as well. That is fascinating about the relationship between the muscles and the tendon. So uh, talk to us more about tendons because I am sure you as well obviously see a lot of people coming in with Achilles tendon issues. Uh, Tell us about the role of the Achilles tendon. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, so the Achilles tendon, as we mentioned before, is, is an extremely powerful tendon because it's the one that has to, to absorb and, and generate that force. And we think of tendons like, like springs, um, you know, that they, they absorb energy and then they, they, they release it. And so it makes our 
uh, running incredibly more efficient uh, because rather than having to contract and, and re relax our muscles every step we take, basically what happens is that the, the muscle contracts uh, and then as we, we land, our foot makes contact with the ground, that tendon begins to stretch. Uh, and then as we go through into propulsion there, that tendon snaps back, uh, that Achilles tendon, and uh, it's like an elastic band. You think about stretching elastic band, you let it go, releases that, uh, that stored energy. And that's pretty much what, what our Achilles tendon does. So it's, it serves a, a really important role. And, and uh, not surprisingly, when it becomes problematic in runners, then it, it makes uh, running very difficult. Uh, and it would be, it would be the, the most common tendinopathy uh, that, I would, that, that we see in, in runners. Uh, a few other sites, we can see around the ankle and, and up into the knee and, and hip as well but but uh, it's the most common one that we do see uh, in Achilles tendinopathy and unfortunately as we get older as we age and, and getting into our masters masters runners and especially males uh, are more prone to, to we, we seeing this developing uh, this Achilles tendinopathy but also calf issues as well too um, and there's a number of reasons why we can see that happen with age uh, one is that as we age we lose strength you know so after the age of you know 25 30 unfortunately our strength does decline and that's why all our runners out there are doing their strength training um, especially all our, all our masters runners uh, it's important to to keep that uh, that strength up so that's one reason and so as we lose strength in that uh, that muscle that's obviously going to be putting more demand on that tendon to, to have to do more uh, and then the other thing too is also just the change in the actual makeup of the, of the, the tendon so it's made up of a lot of mainly out of collagen um, and a lot of other substances in there as well too but the, the tendons qualities can start to change as we as we get older as well and so it doesn't become as efficient as storing and releasing that energy and so therefore it, it can start to become a bit uh, a bit problematic and, and developing tendinopathy in that area or calf strains as well and we we do often see them go hand in hand so it's not uncommon to see someone with a, a history of, of uh, Achilles tendinopathy also then having uh, calf strain issues because their tendon isn't functioning as it, as it normally should so therefore putting more demand on that muscle so therefore they suffer a lot of recurring uh, recurring calf injuries as well. Uh, I do know that one of the kind of, I don't want to say weak points, but a, a lot of um, Achilles tendon issues can sometimes manifest at the attachment points rather than mm. in the tendon itself. Is that something that you yep. want to explain more about? Yeah, so that's that's right. So when we see problems with the Achilles tendon, there's there's two main sites that this this can occur. There's one is is what we call mid portion tendinopathy. So this is usually you know an inch or so above the above the heel, um, right in the middle of the tendon there, and that's mid portion. And then we see insertional Achilles tendinopathy, which is right down where that uh, that Achilles tendon attaches down into the heel bone. Now it's about twenty five percent of of Achilles tendinopathy will affect the insertion. Um, they can be a little bit more uh, troublesome to, they're probably a little bit more uh, stubborn to treat than a, than a mid-portion, um, mainly because you've got around that area, you've got the interaction with the shoe becomes really important. So a lot of people find like the heel counter on the shoe can really rub and irritate that, that area. So we've got a, you know, there's considerations made there. Bad ones even, you know, we can't have, you know, people need to be in, in, in open toe, in open heeled shoes because they just can't stand the pressure on that area. So that's one reason. The other reason too is it tends to be more, uh, prone at that insertional to stretching. Um, so going into, you know, like a typical calf stretch position or, you know, standing on a step and dropping your heel down below the step can often uh, really agitate that, uh, that insert insertional Achilles. And we, we go into that position, we go into that stretch position when we, when we walk, uh, when we run. And so with those insertionals, especially the really angry ones, it makes it quite difficult to, to do those things. And, and, you know, we have to look at things for, in those cases, um, you know, getting heel lifts in, in shoes to try and get them out of that, uh, out of that, um, that uh, what we call that dorsiflex position and just taking a bit of stress off that, uh, off that insertional tendon. So, yeah, they're the, they're the two sides. The, the management, as I said, is... is 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 fairly similar um, in, the, in our approach, but there's there's slight slight nuances that that um, that we'll use, especially for insertional insertional Achilles. Obviously, because tendon related injuries can be a very slow timeline for rehab. Mm. Um, talk about how you kind of reassure your patients that hey, just because it's not happening <clears throat> this week doesn't mean you're heading in the wrong direction. Yeah, absolutely, and, and it is, and, and you know, I was having this discussion with a with a runner yesterday, and uh, in that you know, uh, tendons in in nature they are slow to settle 
and and they're they're quick to flare in that you know it takes a long time for them to 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 get better uh and it uh it it can flare up pretty quickly if you do something wrong on it it'll it'll let you know about it um now the the research has sort of shown that sometimes you know achilles tendinopathy the agile the 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 average time frame can be anywhere from 12 to 18 months for for full symptom resolutions and some people have ongoing issues for, for for years now what I like to sort of talk about with the runner, and you mentioned that, that they, they do take a while, but what's important though is that, that the runner can be doing everything that they, they need to be doing um, and everything that they want to be doing, but, there'll, but there might be this background of pain that's, that's going on there. So we start to sort of shift the, the attention away from the pain and more towards the function. Um, and so, you know, like with, with, with a lot of running injuries, um, probably calf strain is probably the, the one that we don't tend to run so much with pain, but um, with most running injuries, it's, it's safe to, to run, with, uh, run with some level of pain. And we usually sort of say like a four or a five out of 10 is an acceptable level. If 10 out of 10 is the worst pain, ever and zero is nothing um, four or five is acceptable um, during the run and then after the run uh, and then the day after as well so making sure that there's no big flare-ups there so we sort of say to the runners so we, we, we can actually be doing stuff and if we can keep the pain below that level we're, we're good to go if it's flaring up above those levels so it's sort of getting to a six or seven the next day you're really hobbling around and, and, and quite difficult then we need to look at something and adjusting those running loads but I, I always sort of say look this is this is generally an injury that we can we can run through so we can continue running with this as we're as we're managing it. There might come times we might have flare-ups along the some acute flare-ups along the way that we'll, that we'll manage. But by and all, we'll be able to do everything that we you know that you want to do. But that 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 you know there might be just this low-level pain that's there that might take a long time to uh, to to disappear. So that's sort of I think yeah realistically when we're dealing with with most tendinopathies, unless you get to it really early and and it's more just like an acute flare-up, you settle it down, never see it again. Um, most of them are the ones that have been there for a little while are going to take some time to, uh, to, 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 to completely go away. Is there anything that we can be doing to, you know, I don't want to say bulletproof your Achilles tendon, but like, are there things we can be doing to basically prehab this to make sure that we are less likely to experience Achilles tendon issues? Yeah, so there's there's not much that's looked actually in terms of the research that's looked at prevention of, of Achilles tendinopathy. Uh, it would take quite a, a big population to, to look at that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a big advocate for strength training, and I, I know you are as well too. Um, so strength training, I think, is something that's, that all runners should be doing, especially our masters runners out there, because of those reasons that I mentioned early on, that we see that lack of strength as we get older, um, and that does make us more prone to, to calf and, and Achilles issues. So I think that, that in theory that, that, you know, by, by ensuring that we've got good strength in that in that area um, is is a, is, a, is a great first step um, and uh, I think that you know certainly things like um, just even some weighted calf raises simple as that working on our maximal strength uh, but also working on our, our plyometrics as well is a really, really important one. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of, uh, of plyometrics. And I think that that's, that's one area that, that people and, and runners often do neglect. So they might be doing some weighted stuff. And when it comes to the calf, probably the, the two main mistakes I see runners make with, with their, their strength in there is that, one, they're not going heavy enough. So they're often, they might be doing some, some body weight calf raises. Uh, and two is they're not incorporating plyometrics. Uh, and there was a, a great study done three years ago by Baxter. And what he did was, and, and this is something that I made a, an infographic about, but it had has got the different demands on our calf and Achilles with different activities. Uh, and in actual fact, a, um, a, a calf raise, so just a single leg body weight calf raise, is not that dissimilar to walking. Um, so if, if you can walk in terms of the demands that puts on the calf, if you can walk, then you know, uh, then you need to be going above above a, a single leg calf raise. Um, and I will use calf raises, you know, early on, and, and sometimes they can be good to, uh, you know, some calf raise to get some fatigue in there to build a bit of capacity on a, on a daily um, point of view. But you need to go heavy. You need to be adding some some weight on to bring the demand up to to where it needs to be. And you also need to get explosive. Um, you need to get up from, you know, going from jumps and up to up to hopping. Because if we look at what exceeds the demand, so normally when we want to return a runner to say they've, they've injured their calf or they've got some, you know, really acute Achilles injuries, we want to make sure that can they do more than what running is asking them. Um, and if they if they they can, then yep, we're good to go. If they can't, well then it's a bit risky to send them back out there because 
the likely is that they'll they'll uh, re-injure and and uh, and flare up their uh, you know their, their issue. I mean, thinking about what you said about the what the calf muscles can handle in terms of the demands, right? The force output. Yeah, you would think, yeah, mm. body weight doesn't do anything. I mean, you, of course, you do no. enough unweighted calf raises. Yeah, you're going to feel the burn yep. and get tired, but yep. you're going to need more than that. And it's interesting to me, especially as I work through my own, you know, lifting journey as a runner, uh, which just sounded like the most ridiculous my lifting journey as a runner. Yeah, but it's yeah, interesting it to me thinking about, you know, that that so many runners simply aren't lifting heavy enough. And thinking yeah. about, you know, what can we do? What are the barriers to access for truly heavy lifting? And I honestly think for a lot of people, it's just like they just don't have heavy enough things yeah. around to lift. And not everybody has access to a gym with a full, you know, weight section. Everybody has the money to buy a home gym. And it can be tough to find things that are heavy enough that are going yeah. to produce that stimulus that we're looking for. Absolutely. And it, it's something that, um, I mean, I think, you know, when I, when I see runners pretty much all of them know that they should be strength training. Um, I'd say, oh, I'd say probably actually getting up to probably a quarter or a third of the runners that I see are doing some form of strength training um, and consistently. Uh, and then you've got, you know, the other two thirds that might be doing it sporadically or, or not doing it at all. Um, so I think we all, all our runners know that it's good, but it is, as you said, it's that barrier. And I think, you know, there's a couple of reasons why. Um, one, we love running and so we do that and we usually don't love the gym. Um, so, you know, having to do something that it's like, well, I don't really like doing that. Uh, I don't want to go to a gym. Um, and uh, so that's, that's sort of one, one barrier there. Um, so the other one is you know, they just don't know what they should be doing. Um, you know, they don't know how to structure it or what days to, to do it on. So there's sort of the understanding of how to, how to implement that as well too. So I think that there's, there's that. And, and as you said, look, the access to things. And I think that, uh, you know, one of the, the uh, silver linings to, to, to COVID over the last few years with, you know, gyms being closed is we worked out some, you know, some quite, in, uh, you know, intuitive ways of, of, of working out at home. And thankfully for doing, you know, for, for doing calf raises weighted, you generally don't need a lot of weight. So for, for instance, an average, you know, uh, say a, a 70 kilo, which my pounds to kilos is terrible. It's like a little, it's, it's like 150. Five pound person, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So about that, that two times. Um, that if they're doing, you know, we want to do some weighted calf raises at home. Look, we're probably looking at doing, you know, anywhere from fifteen to twenty kilos on a single leg, uh, and doing that for reps of reps of eight to ten. So it's not we don't need that much weight. You know, if we can get a, a garden bucket and fill that with stuff, we can get a backpack and fill it with things. I've even had people hold on to their kids, and you know, the kids jump on their back and they start doing some some weighted raises there. So we can make that can make that work. Um, one of the beauties of, of plyometrics, so we mentioned before, and, and plyometrics are a group of exercises for our listeners that, that involve, you know, quite dynamic and explosive movements. So think, think of things like jumping and hopping. So one of the beauties of plyometrics is they can be done anywhere. So we don't need a gym to, to do those. So if worse comes to worse and we're like, well, look, I really don't have any equipment at home. I don't even have anything that I could, you know, hold on to. It's like, okay, well, let's just, you know, we can work on some plyometrics then instead and, and, and you know, start with the easy stuff and, and work them up to more challenging things things because that will you know certainly strengthen the uh, the, the calf and the, and the achilles there if we do that uh, do that right it's very popular amongst some people on the internet to talk about uh your your muscle isn't activated things aren't being activated um I would find it hard to, to run at all if my calves weren't activated. But I think what we're yep. trying to, to talk about in this kind of like, well, there's a kind of a kernel in truth, of truth in some of these things um, is that it's, it's more like it's not, it's not working properly within the role of the whole chain that it's a part of, right? Yeah. Um, what do you, so thinking about that and maybe if there are mobility limitations, I know we, we talked about kind of insufficient strength for the demands, mm. but kind of talk about that aspect of the calf. Yeah, so it's, it's um, I guess there's a few things to, to tease out in that. Uh, we, we talk about, you know, people talk about not, not activating. Really, that just means that insufficient strength. Um, and, you know, I mentioned earlier on that, that I do a lot of objective testing with, with my runners in, when, I'm, when I'm seeing them face-to-face. -face. Uh, and so I, I do a lot of stuff. I've got access to force plates and I've got access to, to handheld dynamometers and, and these sort of things. So I'm able to look at and see, you know, what their maximal strength is. So we're looking at doing like a, 
a, what's called a seated isometric um, calf test or a standing isometric calf test where they're, they're in like a squat position and they're pushing up into the bar onto a force plate underneath them. So we're looking at, at achieving certain things in there, like we want to see them be able to push one and a half times body weight um, on a seated calf raise, you know, upwards of two and a half on, on a standing calf raise. And then we're looking at, at doing things like a um, uh, some jumping and hopping and, and those sort of things as well too. So we're sort of teasing out with the runner, you know, what have they got from a, a maximal strength perspective? What have they got from an explosive strength perspective? Um, and then a test that really all our runners can be can be doing at home is a, is a calf raise to fatigue test. Um, and that's looking at more the, the strength endurance. So they're sort of looking at different strength qualities and not one sort of by themselves will, will tell you everything. But if you, you know, if you can get a, a you know, really good snapshot of, of what's going on from a, um, a, a calf capacity perspective, you can check all those qualities. But from our, our for, for our listeners at, at home, um, they can be doing a calf raise to fatigue test. And, and really we want to be seeing them getting upwards of upwards of 25 reps for our runners. Uh, 25 reps on a single leg calf raise, doing as many as you can. Um, and that's a yeah pass mark there. If you're getting under that, well then we need to uh, there's some, some work to be done to be done there. So that's looking at certainly, you know, have we got that activation or have we got that that strength there? In terms of a kinetic chain, you mentioned that as well, and that, that is really important that, that we do see um, uh, you know, uh, other areas can be involved, and especially when we're looking at things like Achilles tendinopathy, which are often, you know, often quite chronic, or if someone's getting a lot of repeated calf injuries, uh, we certainly want to be looking further up that up that chain, up the up the leg, if you like. And we do often find, you know, that there 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 can be strength loss right down that leg. Um, and it's, I had one uh, last week, and long term Achilles issues, but they had, you know, weaker in through the quads, in through the hamstrings, in through the hip there that pretty much the whole leg was it was decreased in in strength um it's also important to look at you know what's happening on the other side because sometimes that they may have had an, an old injury on the on the other leg uh and another one recently that comes to mind was someone had a they had a lot of uh um repeated ankle injuries on that on the opposite side uh, and so they, they were actually really weak on that side and what it was causing them to do is then they were they were really favoring the, the opposite leg and that's the leg that started to become quite uh, you know stuff suffer injuries with the, uh, in the in the calf and the Achilles so it's you know looking at, at not just the whole leg but the whole person as well so seeing what's going on on the other side um, you also mentioned there about the the mobility and yes we do want to see you know one of the the a good test for um, for ankle mobility is what's called the the knee to wall test. Um, there's actually an even simpler one. We can actually use our, our iPhone and use what's called the inclinometer on it, which is like the spirit leveler. Um, and what we can actually do is you can, having your lunging forward onto, onto the leg you're testing, um, you drive your knee as far forwards over your toes as possible. Uh, and without the heel coming off, popping off there. And then you just use your spirit level or on the iPhone, pop that on your shin, and we should see you be able to get upwards of, of 40 degrees of, of, that's what we call dorsiflexion. Uh, and so sometimes, and, and look, it is normal to see in runners, sometimes that be a little bit stiffer, uh, and it can actually be a bit of a benefit of us to have you know stiff ankles. But if we're seeing a, a big discrepancy from side to side, so if we're seeing you know greater than 10% difference from side to side, uh, and it's fitting what's going on, then that, that may be something relevant. And we may actually need to do some, some stretching or, or working on that, um, on that, that ankle. Um, had a case just earlier in, in, in uh, last week, actually, and he had a lot of ankle issues, uh, recently had surgery on that ankle uh, last year, and now he started getting a lot of, lot of calf issues on that, on that side. And he's put in a lot of, lot of work, but he's actually got a very decreased. So if we're looking at that, um, uh, that, that angle, that inclination angle there, he's at sort of 28, 28 on that side and 40 on the other. So there's big differences there from side to side. So part of his part of his rehab and of, of you know in addition to, to doing some strengthening and explosive stuff is is actually working on that uh, on that that ankle mobility. So it is important and that's where I think that you know whenever whenever I'm dealing with an injury I always sort of say we want to look at at least one one joint above and one joint below. So if it's the, the knee we want to be looking at the you know the ankle and the calf and we want to be looking at the at the, the hip there. Um, and so same thing goes with the with the calf, you know we want to be looking at the foot and we want to be looking at what's happening above at the at the knee and then arguably going going up from from that as well too so yeah it's really important to assess that the individual and and because every injury is different and that's why i love doing what i'm doing because every achilles issue is is going to be uh, you know different contributing factors to, to someone else how often do you see people come in with and you know this is not a conversation about running form but how often do you see people come in with 
calf issues caused by inefficiencies in their running gait specifically, or for the most part? <clears throat> yeah, so, so it's an interesting one. So I think that, I mean, the, 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 the worst example that I saw of that was a, a runner that came in that was having a lot of repeated calf issues and he, we, we assess his running like we do all our runners and he was running on his forefoot, like on his toes, like without his, his heels touching the ground. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, I go, well, what, is this how you, you normally run? He goes, no, no, someone told me that I should be running on my, on my forefoot, that I shouldn't be landing on my heels. And so he was landing on his heels and I'm like, okay, well, don't do that. Um, so, and he was fixed. Uh, he's, oh. uh, so that was yeah, another example there. So um, I, I certainly, you know, running gait is one of these things that we'll assess and, and see. I probably find it not as involved as, as um, in terms of looking at, at, at technique faults, um, probably not as common as what I'll see with, um, with knee issues. And I think that the main thing there is that because with the knee it's involved in absorbing that force at impact and so a lot of the, the faults most of the faults that we see um in with running gait is that initial absorption so being that position whether that be that they're they're over striding or landing a long way out in front there and so that's quite demanding on through the knee and the quads there so we see it more commonly with that whereas the calves um and the achilles not as much sometimes we'll see um and the 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 area that um what we call mid stance so when we when our foot hits the ground we're moving our foot moves underneath our, our body and that's called mid stance through there and sometimes we'll see in that position if if they're really you know if they they sink quite low into the ground so that their knees driving a long way over their, their toes there um that can put an increased sort of compression on that 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 Achilles there, and um, that's something that we may look at with that um, in that mid stance position. How we usually correct that? That's often associated with those um, those runners that have a lot of up and down movement or what we call vertical oscillation. So those real bouncy runners, they're going up and down and they're really sinking low down into the into the ground there. So that's something that we we will often do that. But it's probably not as not as common to see that with the the calf and the, and the Achilles. I tend to find. It, we, you know, the work that we do with these runners is is more so from the strength side um, than it is from a, from a running technique. But not to say it's there because, as I said, everyone everyone's different. And and you know, this runner, I had no idea how he, he ran until I saw him, and I'm like, I gasped. At, uh, <laughs> oh my god! And somebody um, was like, running on your heel striking is always bad for everybody. You yes, should never run exactly. on your heels. So this poor man started running on his toes. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and then he ended up seeing exactly you. Exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, thankfully, and yeah. we said, oh, no, you stop doing that. And I remember actually. Having Having another another colleague of mine had someone else that, that did something something similar. So all our listeners out there, and I'm sure that they don't do this because they're educated and listen to everything that you talk about. So hopefully none of our listeners out there are, are running around on their tiptoes. <laughs> are there any considerations for triathletes because of the volume of time they're spending on the bike that is slightly different from people who m- just mostly run? It's a good question, um, and it's. And I do see a number of triathletes, and having done done some triathlons in the, in the past myself, um, it's it's probably not as not as common actually because uh, they. For on the bike, it's not as high demand on through the on through the calf there and, and the Achilles. Uh, it tends to be a lot more sort of quad and, and hamstring involvement there, and it's often a, a cross training tool that we'll use for for runners that you know have got some active Achilles or, or are recovering from a calf strain. So it's often one of the first you know uh, um, cross training modalities that we'll switch to because of it's got a low demand on the calf. And then if we want to start to pick it up, then we might look at then going onto an elliptical or cross trainer and then working up to, to running from there. So it's probably not as not as common in that. Um, also, the triathletes don't, uh, well, depending on the, on the runner too, but they might not do the, the same volume of running that what, what runners will, will do. So, you know, if you're, your average runner might be doing, you know, 50 or 60 Ks a week, but triathletes might only be doing, you know, 30 or 40. So running is what, what places the greatest demand on the calf and the Achilles. And so if they're doing more of that, well, the chances are that there's going to be some, some more problems there. But again, going back to our triathlete, if they have, you know, insufficient strength there, if they're not doing, you know, the right thing from, from that perspective and, and their training load, and, and then sure that they absolutely can um, suffer Achilles and, and calf injuries much like our, our runners can. So thinking about the, you know, really on top of it runner who's like, 
okay, I don't have any calf issues, but I did my at-home assessment and I got to like 22 or 23 unweighted single leg calf raises before failure. What can I do to improve my calf strength? Yeah, so I think that, and you know, again, we're talking about from an injury perspective, but strength training also can be really important from a from a injury prevention. I mean, I think that the research is a bit mixed in, in terms of injury prevention for strength training, um, uh, but in terms of performance, it's it's pretty clear. Uh, strength training makes you does make you a better runner. So that's why I think from if we can say to to that runner, we'd say, all right, let's try and if we can dedicate two sessions a week uh, of strength training, uh, and that might be doing some of those those single leg um, uh, weight calf raises there so making sure that we're going heavy enough aiming for around eight to ten reps so what we're going to do is we're going to add enough weight that we can get to around eight to ten somewhere in that range and we feel like we've only got a couple more left in the tank um, and this is where i think runners sometimes do underload they're chronically underloading in, in terms of the weight room they're, they're not very good at, at judging how much they've got left so what i'll often say to them is i'll say all right Grab the weight that you've been using. Do as many reps as you can, and it's it's not unusual to sort of see them get to you know get to 16, 18 reps um, when they've only been doing eight or ten, and they've kind of been wasting their time. So that's that's where again we always want to make sure that we're pushing ourselves hard enough in the gym that we're not underloading because we, you know our time is precious. So that would be the first thing is we do three sets of, of eight to ten eight to ten reps of, of, of heavy single leg calf raises. Um, then we want to combine that. We can combine that with some plyometrics. So that might start off with doing some pogo jumps. Um, pogo jumps are great. They're just on, on standing on two legs and we're jumping up as, as high as we can, being really quick on, on, our, on our ground contacts there and trying to propel ourselves up. And we're doing anywhere from, start off with doing you know six reps of those. Um, and so they're not just you know little jumps on the spot. They're really explosive jumps, jumping up as, as high as we can. Um, starting off with with you know six reps, working our way up to to eight or ten over the the, the process of the of the few months, uh, and we can again do three sets of those. So those two simple things can get you a, a long way in terms of your, your calf strength. I mean, with the weighted raises, you just keep adding more weight. Um, with the pogos, as you get better, you'll get you'll be able to jump higher up in the in the air, and you'll get to, you'll get more explosive from that. So they're they're really great in terms of self progression and and easy things to do. If we want to take it to another level, we can start to add some hops. Um, so we can do some, just some hopping, even just some hopping in a line. Um, another great, uh, great exercise I love is a, I call it two hop forward, one backward, where we're going, you know, try, and our, our listeners can, can try this at home, but hopping in a line and you go two hops forward, then one backward, then keep moving forwards and one backwards and you're continuously moving the whole time. And it's actually quite hard as a coordination thing. So don't be uh, alarmed if you if you can't do it, that, that uh, takes a bit of practice to, to get that one down pat. Um, but that's also a really good, really good exercise for, for that, uh, that, that calf and, and Achilles strength. So two things, maximal strength and working on our, our plyometrics. And I think that will take you, that'll take you a long way. It continuously fascinates me how runners tend to try to turn everything that they do that isn't running into some sort of like endurance, make it harder. Cause I'm already, yeah. I can hear you're describing doing, doing these pogo hops. I can already hear somebody messaging me. Well, do burpees count? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, well, exactly. are you like really freaking tired and not get, I mean, no, I mean, they're not the same. There's, there's yeah. something, but that's not what he's talking about. <laughs> Well, that's that's right, and 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 again, I think it comes down from the fact that we, you know, that we're runners. We we you know we feel like we need to be moving all the time. So taking you know one to two minutes rest of, of in, in a weights room is just like what the hell? Like that's just just feels weird. My heart rate's not up. You know, I'm only at ninety beats per minute. Um, but it, they're they're very different activities, and again, that's where I sort of stress with you know when I'm writing strength programs for my for my runners is that you know that rest break is important. So you know when we're, when we're going heavy, you know, so when we're doing our, our heavy calf raises here, you know, we do want to be taking a minute or two's rest after after we've done we've done a set there uh, or you know if we've done those two pairings together um, we, we take a, a minute or two's rest it's not like just this continual circuit of going from one exercise to the to the other because you won't be recovering and therefore you're not able to, to push that weight as, as, as heavy as you can so so yeah just just emphasizing that it is it is different I mean I tend to find that sometimes pairing up or I usually do pair up exercises for for, for uh, runners in that um, it's more time efficient to do that uh, and it's also makes them feel like they're, they're moving a bit more without having you know these these long rest uh, these rest breaks 
because um, even you know I, I have to, to tell myself as well when I'm in the gym I'm just like no just just calm down just you know just just take take the rest um, you know you feel like you just want to be going from one to the other to the other and then and uh, keep moving uh, but no it's 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 a different a different sort of exercise you know we do enough cardio and, and running out there on the on the running track the strength the, when we're in the in the gym or when we're doing our strength stuff at home it's a different workout we're working on our strength not only our endurance and that's where I'm sort of you know I see sometimes these exercises that that you know trying to be like functional exercises where it's like weighted running almost it's like oh, we don't need to do that we don't need to be doing high repetition stuff we do enough of that out out there use the strength you know the, 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 the gym or the strength room for for strength my final question for you, and it's a total curveball because it's not what I uh, pitched to you on our outline, but um, <laughs> I wanted to get your um, opinion or kind of what you've noticed in the clinic about the runners using carbon plated shoes and how they may have yeah. impacted their running gait. And if you're seeing any differences uh, now versus five years ago because of the rise and prevalence of these carbon plated shoes when it comes to, well, specifically the calf. Yes, yeah, so I think I think that they're they're a real blessing. I mean, I, I love I love my uh, my Nike paper flies. Um, Me too. <laughs> and uh, I've tried a number of yeah a number of plated shoes over the over the years, and I I, I credit that to uh, that to some some PBs of, of recent uh, recent times. But look, I think they're great. I I, I love them as a as a tool, um, not just for making runners run faster, but also for managing things. And we we know that you know quite relevant obviously today's talk with the with the calf and the Achilles, they can actually uh, really take help those those injuries out. They can take that load off that area and. You know, we often hear and speak to runners now these days that just say that they recover a lot better. You know, when they're wearing their their uh, their, their uh, carbon plated shoes, that they they pull up so much better. They're not so much tired in their in their, their calf anymore. Now, um, that that I think is a great thing. So so you know, we we use that um, uh, quite regularly um, with with my runners and suggesting. And runners obviously love to hear that when I say you need to go out and buy yourself a pair of these. Or or uh, but I don't think and 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 they should not be used for every run. They should, definitely should not be. Used for every run so we want to keep them more for you know for our, our speed work um so that's uh one way that we can we can use them the, the the downsides of them a couple of things that we see with that so because a lot of them and thankfully there's more now on the market but some of the early ones when it was just you know nike by themselves they're they're not the most stable shoot you know they've got quite a narrow narrow platform there and so we'd see some runners that would have some issues around the leg and 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 mainly around those the other stabilizing muscles around the leg there what we call the perineal muscles or the tib posterior muscles and, and their job is to try and hold the ankle uh, in, a, in a good position when we're when we're landing and moving and and so when people were wearing a lot of these plated shoes too too much um they, they started to get a bit cranky and, and complain so so there's that side of things the other thing I've probably seen a bit of a rise of is is um, more uh, pelvic adductor issues. So sort of looking at things like adductor related tendinopathy, um, pel- uh, pubic stress issues. Um, so a lot of more issues up through uh, in, in a, a lot higher up the chain and potential couple of reasons why is that that um, by wearing the plated shoes, it's allowing you to do more. So you're, you're running more. Um, so that's that in, in you know in essence is putting more load on your body. So something else can go wrong. It might be off offloading the 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 calf and the Achilles, but things can start to go wrong elsewhere. The other thing too is that they make you run faster, um, and you know they for most people they make you run faster. And as we run faster, our stride length increases. And as our stride length increases, that puts a lot more demand around through the hips and the and the pelvis around through there. So we can start to see some some more issues arising around that around that area. So I've probably seen more of those problems. And a, and a runner in particular comes to mind where he was doing uh, was traveling really well with the had some calf and achilles issues um you know got into some plated shoes loving them uh, but then started to run into some some these adductor and and hip flexor issues around through there as he he was getting faster and faster so so i think that they can allow us to do more and allow us to run faster but that can come at a come at a cost if we're if our bodies aren't, aren't prepared for that then then it can problems can arise arise elsewhere fascinating 
I'm so glad I asked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it was actually, I just had that discussion with that, with that, that particular runner just the other day and talking about that is one of the downsides of the, of the, the super shoes is, is that. So, yeah. I say, but, and to say, and you know, and some, for some of this stuff too, it's like, it's really hard to connect the dots on some of this stuff, right? Cause you think, well, I bought mm. that pair of shoes six months ago and I, you know, I've been running, it's been fine until now, but yeah. you know, sometimes it is, you know, that's, I'm sure one of the things that you ask, you know, people when they come in for an assessment is like, well, has anything changed recently, right? Yeah. And recently could yeah. be re six months, right? Eight months. Um, it's just exactly. like, what's it's different? Yeah, and it's accumulative, and that's where we sort of see, you know, we're looking back at, you know, when we're seeing a runner that's injured and we're looking at, at you know, at an inciting event, it's something that's caused it. It may have actually been, you know, four to six weeks before they started getting symptoms that something something went wrong. Um, and because most of the injuries that we see in running, a, 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 you know, a chronic overuse or overload injuries, you know, they've happened over a period of time. So we, we often, you know, when I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to runners, it's like, well, what happened, you know, this, this far back? And that may be looking at their training diary and, and you you know, we look back there and, oh yeah, four weeks ago I went on holidays and I decided I was going to run every day uh, because I had so much time um, or I was unwell and I didn't do anything. And then, you know, then I, I basically went back to what I was, what I was previously, previously doing. So these sort of things or, you know, particularly stressful time in their, in their life, something happened around that, around that time. So yes, we do see these things. It's not just like, well, what did you do yesterday or the week before, but what was happening in the, in the, in the lead up to that. And that's, that's really important. I think, you know, training load and assessing that is, is, uh, and that's obviously where, the value of having a coach is um, is, is really important. Is someone to, to oversee that and, and make sure that the, that the runner isn't making these uh, these errors because it's so easy to do. Because again, like I could get out there and you know run every day, and it's not until you know a few weeks time that I start to run into uh, run into problems. So yeah, yeah, really important one. Luke, thank you so much for being here today. Unbeknownst to our listeners, we had some technical issues and you were a true gentleman through all of them. So I do appreciate that. And uh, obviously I'm a huge fan of you and your work and I think other people should be as well. So if they're interested in learning more about you and what you do, where can they find you? Yeah, so probably yeah, the socials is, is easiest there. So on Instagram, uh, just at Sports Cairo Luke. Uh, and then I've got website as well too, um, which is healthhp.com.au. We've got lots of blogs and stuff on there, a lot of lot of stuff on the calves. So calf and Achilles, so if our listeners out there want to listen to that, but but uh, lots of other information on there too that they can have a have a read through. But now it's been a great day, great honor, Elizabeth. Thank you for uh, for having me on. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find and follow me on Instagram at Running Explained. And if you're looking for a coach or a training plan, check me out. Visit my website, runningexplained.co. That's runningexplained.co. See you next time. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.